0: Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. We're bringing together the best leaders from across the Nordics region to discuss industry passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Heather, and I connect businesses with talented freelancers in the Nordic market. Today, I'm joined by Sandra, Mahita, and Tuli to discuss diversity and inclusion in the gaming industry. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and what your biggest passion is
1: currently. Um, Sandra, would you like to start us off? Sure. Hi, uh, thank you for having me. I'm Sandra Ferroni, and uh, I work as a release manager at the VR studio Fast Travel Games based in Stockholm. Uh, I've been working in the gaming industry for 11 years. I had the chance to explore different roles throughout my career, uh, but I started in game design, design, actually, and eventually transitioned into release management. So, uh, well, the biggest passion for me, as always, is video games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but especially uh, horror games and horror movies. That's a big, uh, big thing uh, for me. So, um, which has also uh, led me to write about games uh, for EG- EGN and co-hosting a gaming podcast. Uh, I'm not doing this anymore, but a while back I did. Amazing. What's your favorite horror horror game? Resident Evil 1 and 2. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the old the old games. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, amazing. No, thank you for that. And then, Mahita, do you want to give a quick introduction to yourself?
2: Yeah. Hey, I'm Mahita. Uh, I'm currently working as Director of Engineering uh, for King for Canikers Saga. Um, I have been in the tech industry for 15 years. Uh, I've had a chance to be in different kinds of roles, I've had a major part of my career, both in product management, but also engineering. I started out as a software engineer. That's where my education is and my background is. Um, but I've had a chance to be VP Engineering for a company in Stockholm, and I've been a CTO for a company that's now on the New York Stock Exchange. And I've like gone in different directions in my career. And this is my stint now in the gaming industry uh, for the last two years, having a lot of fun. Uh, my passion has always been making sure that more and more people get the opportunity at the grassroots level to move towards technology. Uh, I have worked with it at the part of my thesis back in India, and it's very close to my heart.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. No, that's really interesting. Thank you. Um, and then, Tulay, do you want to give a quick introduction to yourself? Hi, I'm Tulai. I'm also uh, living in sokol at the moment, and
3: I'm um, a specialist uh, or expert in uh, inclusion Uh, and uh, diversity in game design and gaming and I have about 20 years of uh, experience in the gaming industry, worked in uh, publishing and in development, uh, Square Enix, Sega um, and uh, EA for 13 years, uh, BioWare for almost eight years, uh, working on Dragon Age Mass Effect franchises, and then on the battlefield uh, games uh, here in Stockholm Um, and um, right now My passions are three passions. One is writing. I'm uh, actually writing a book about equitable design uh, in gaming. Uh, I'm coaching. I'm pursuing my professional credentials to be a certified um, coach, focusing on leadership and uh, career. And I really want to um, work with more um, other represented talent as well. Uh, I'm volunteering with OMG, which is an LGBTQ plus advocacy group in the UK. and uh, Korea is my other passion. <laughs> well, I'm trying to immerse myself in the culture and I'm really trying to learn the language but I'm
0: still not past the alphabet. Yeah, I was about to say that's, that sounds quite difficult, that. It's fun though. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the knowledge managing director here at Evolution.
0: Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Okay, fantastic. Now that we have an intro to each of you, I'll move on to the topic in focus. Um, So you will all have a question or um, subtopic on diversity and inclusion in the gaming industry. Uh, So as usual, I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. And each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. Um, so, Tule, do you want to start off with um, your subtopic? Mm-hmm. The topic I wanted to discuss is
3: and I assume some of us, if not one, all of us have experienced some of that uh, um, during their career or work lives. And uh, we are all from those underrepresented uh, communities in our countries uh, or um, companies. And some companies have uh, communities and networks like employee, employee resource groups, for example, where you have these affinity groups where you can do a lot of uh, community activism and uh, advocacy uh, where people can find support and, uh, and uh, make friends uh, as well and that and the, uh, allyship is a great uh, way to kind of participate in those things uh, as well. Um, however, the, the two things I wanted to discuss is one, um or maybe that's an overarching theme is the compassion fatigue because when you do this for a very long time uh and maybe you are one of us of a small group of people who are trying to be those advocates and driving change whether it's in your company or in the industry can get tiresome um and i think with a lot of um political shifts that we see that maybe not go in the direction that we all wanted to go um I see us walking a bit backwards uh, with the progress that we have made in the DEI space, and I can sense a bit of fatigue, I guess, both on people hearing about DEI and social media, but also uh, people getting tired of constantly pushing up the heavy boulder up a mountain, only to kind of go backwards and do it over and over again. So, kind of, where what's what's the uh, what's the light at the end of the tunnel? When do we know we are there? And, Um, my conclusion is that um, there's still a lot to do Um, and I can understand that some politicians companies, countries are maybe um, um, oversaturated uh, with the topic but I think we cannot stop pushing but how do we maintain our energy levels uh, while we know we have to do this work so I think it's a very difficult um, time at the moment but I would love to kind of hear your perspectives or your opinions on this topic as well yeah does anyone want to jump in there yeah yeah such a great question and such a great thought I have to
2: say that i mean this is something we all struggle with right because uh, in my experience the fatigue that they're talking about this dni fatigue is real uh you know in several companies and this is purely my opinion now right but in several companies that I've be a part of also you see that fatigue uh, when they feel like, are we doing too much around this? You get these questions and open forums where people seem safe enough to challenge this. So definitely true. Definitely been living through it. But um, so recently, I was at a conference, leadership conference in Copenhagen, and not t- names, but uh, you know, all the female speakers were like out of this world, like they were brilliant, right? And they uh, and they were 50/50 speakers of both genders. Um, and then uh, some of the male speakers were not up to the mark. If I may, use that word because that was my experience and then I said I was, I was there with my friend who was also a colleague and I said yeah but, but why is this so different and then we came to the conclusion that the day we have enough mediocre women in leadership positions and giving speeches at a leadership summit that is true equality and that was such a nice conclusion to come to and I think that kind of gave us a new zest that that this is just like the beginning it's not even started right. It's, and, and of course, the more we talk about it, the more, oh, we've talked enough about it kind of feedback you get. But your last question that was like, how do we keep up the energy and how do we keep going? Um, I have a daughter. She's starting three in two days. Um, and, you know, I, I really felt that fatigue myself. So I was like, oh my God, I'm so tired of fighting with the world. I just want to rest my case and live in peace. I just want to do my work, get my salary and go. Um, but every time I look at her, and every time the thought comes, oh, what did that person just say to her? Oh, did they just say this to her? No, now I need to make sure this will not happen to her again. And I think that has kind of driven me up the wall, almost to a point of fanatism at some point. <laughs> then I think that gives me energy just to
3: answer, to answer the last part the question. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the tiger is sleeping, but it's still there. It's,
1: uh, <laughs> it awakens. kind it has to. <laughs> yeah, what keeps keeps my energy up is uh, meeting other uh, women or other minorities. I know in Stockholm we have lots of different groups uh, like gathering, mm-hmm. for example uh, there's like a, I don't remember the name in Stockholm, but there's a group of uh, women meeting each other maybe once in a month, taking a lunch together, just talking about um, different important topics, especially regarding like diversity and inclusion and stuff and i think that's for me at least has been great like talking to other women in the gaming industry and share our experiences and then hopefully take something back to your own uh work and do something about it um that's been really great for me Uh, i think for me as well the um finding that inspiration and, and to me it's like
3: not making sure that or making sure that the fire inside of me is not um, going down completely, but you can't always be having your fire up at full speed as well. You kind of have to know when to kind of dial it up and then when you kind of simmer it and then when you can dial it up again. Kind of what uh, Maita was doing with her, with her in the lioness or tiger. Um, and I kind of sense a bit of that fatigue, um, certainly when you are when you need to be creative, like writing a book. Where do you find your source of inspiration? And for me, it was really what I'm talking about my work and what I do and I'm talking to players for example or I'm talking to parents of people who play games or they say "Um, this is really important to me because of this this is important to my child because of these experiences and then I see okay I'm doing this work because of you Um, and and that kind of keeps my my passion really uh, alive.
0: Sorry Mahit do you have something to say there?
3: Yeah, I I would just wanted to add on to the last question
2: here that one of the things that I've started like recently experiencing in my friend circle and so on is also uh, for the minorities, the other kind of minorities, right? Like not just a gender based, but uh, our transgender community and LGBT community and everybody. Uh, some of my friends have shared their experiences where they feel like even before they start taking space, people say, we've had enough of this. Oh my God, for how long are you gonna complain about this? Mm-hmm. And that is like fatiguing before fatigue happens, right? Have you guys experienced it? Have you of this? Social media, I have, but not in, in person, basically, <laughs> <faces, laughs> but on social media yet. Yeah, I think do you that, uh, sorry. No, 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 continue. I was just gonna say, what do you do about that, right? Like fatigue before fatigue or movement, like
3: it even happens, like I don't understand. Like, how can that even be happening? I think I, I acknowledged how someone feels so they don't feel like um they need to be defensive. Um, but I'm just giving them the option to turn off their phone or the conversation or remove themselves from, from the conversation because then shouldn't stop us from having
1: the conversation. Uh, Did you have anything to add there, Sandra? Uh, no, I was just thinking about, like, as a woman, a woman taking place in different companies, I've experienced, like, the, uh, it's hard to know how to express yourself sometimes without being... Uh, uh, if, that people think you're rude because you're a, we- a woman and well being honest and open because sometimes i feel like if i'm doing the same thing as a uh, a male does like being super honest and uh, taking place then i feel people are thinking that i'm rude except instead of like being just taking place because yeah that's my well i'm doing the same thing as everyone else uh and that's been like a struggle um in in the beginning of my career because I was pretty young when I started I was like 22 or 23 or something uh yeah so it's like a different it's different compared to being a a woman and a male I think yeah
0: yeah definitely and then how do you this is open to the floor but how do you make sure that the initiatives that are taking place such as you know Um, women meeting together at lunch or different um, communities having that space to listen to one another. How do you make sure that that's heard by the company and that the company recognises, you know, the issues that people experience? Don't you want to have an answer there or is that quite a difficult question? I have an opinion.
3: I'll remind you. I I have an opinion and I think it starts with the... um, what kind of company you are, and what your values are, what your um, what is important to you, uh, and and I want to hope and think that most companies have um, obviously um, business goals, but they also have values that are important to them that that drives uh, who they hire, who they are, how their leadership appears, and so on. And that should be um, there should be integrity uh, between. Mm-hmm what the company wants to be and who the leaders are and what they do. Um, And if there is a discrepancy uh, or something that is not quite uh, working well, um, then the employees should be empowered to call that out uh, in a respectful way uh, as well. Um, And if you have a good company and good leadership, then um, they would be, should be, hopefully, um, be open to receive that feedback and act on uh, concerns employees have. Did anyone else have a take on that?
2: So what I was about to say is that it depends on the channels that we create for ourselves and also what we are enabled to create, right? Um, Like Just like the climate change moment with the greenwashing, we could also be diversity and inclusion washing, right, for companies. There is uh, branding, but also there is actual work that you need to do, actual channels that you're able to create. And uh, that is what that differs, I think, depending on, Are you actually just diversity washing your brand or are you actually really dedicated to the work that you do? And it reflects on the culture, it reflects on what what values exactly like how they said. You know, when you asked the question, the first quote that came to my mind was by the owner of Netflix, uh, who once wrote on Twitter, like, if you're not willing to disrupt your own business, uh, someone else will do it for you. And that was with blockbuster videos. And, And that's the thing, right? Even with any idea—it doesn't matter if it's around diversity and inclusion. It doesn't matter if it's coming from a group of uh, women having lunch or a group of wider like, group that are going to a conference. So wherever the idea comes from, if there is not a value that exists or a culture that exists in the company that is open to disruptive ideas, innovation, input on certain experiences or certain minorities or any of those topics, then something fundamentally is off. I
0: think. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, So just a question before we move on then is, do you think, because I am aware that a a couple of you have worked in different industries in the gaming industry, um, is there a difference with how the gaming industry approaches um, D&I compared to other industries or is it it sort of similar across the board? Oh,
2: definitely. There's
0: a huge difference, right? Uh, I
2: think a gaming industry in that sense is also a new kid on the block. Sorry, I'm comparing it to a company, the, the companies that have been around for 200, 140 years, like IBMs of the world and so on, right? So when you're a new kid on the block, you also come with different kinds of packages, I think. Whereas if there's a company that hasn't been around for 140 years, 200 years, they've slowly learned that, oh, we need to let people in much faster. Uh, so it's not the same kind of... Uh, goals or motivations i believe at least that's my limited view here so based on my experience yeah uh, and and if you're looking for an example on how different can it get um one of the biggest difference is on quotas how established becomes it will actually work way closely with quotas and they have no uh apprehensions about it and so on but i have not seen or
1: heard of that yet anywhere in and at least in my limited view yeah yeah, um, my experience, I've only worked outside the gaming uh, industry for like one year when I worked uh, at uh, within the financial tech industry. So my experience there was that it was more diversity, like there was lots of different people with different backgrounds. And I've never been at a company that had so many different people. Uh, which was gre- great compared to the gaming industry because I thought the gaming industry was okay but when uh, when I actually was at this company it's like, wow, well, it's a big difference uh, but I was only there for one year so I didn't know exactly what they did to actually uh, encouraging like diversity and inclusion so I uh, I don't know but at the employees, it was a big di- difference there
0: Oh. And then Tule, do you have anything to say on that point? Um, I was thinking two things. One,
3: um, I mean, I have spent most of my life, uh, work life in gaming, um, although before I was at uh this post production, um, where there there was more diversity, um, and uh, but I think there's a couple of things I'm thinking of. One is the um, difference between regions. So when I talk to, for example, North America, uh, North America, they they are they seem to have a bit more mature, advanced thinking around DEI. Uh, they have, for example, the concept of uh, employee resource groups, um, which was kind of not really a thing or as popular or known in Europe, for example. And in, in Europe, um, and especially in some in Sweden, for example, I've often heard. Um, we don't have diversity problems. Look how um, egalitarian we are, for example. <laughs> um, they are clear uh, issues. Um, and I'm uh, working um, with a lot of people from Asia, for example, as well. Um, and culturally, they have like um, societal or, or just like political and just like what the culture and society is like and what they think is. Um, acceptable to talk about uh, at work, for example, or what their work ethics are. Um, It's like all completely different um, challenges that we also need to take into consideration, but we don't always do that. Um, And the second one I was thinking in gaming is sometimes I feel like um, game teams mirror their player base. Um, So when I look at um, uh, the Sims, Sims is super diverse. Uh, When I look at the teams who make the Sims uh, super diverse, probably 50-50 split, uh, male-female developers like um i was in a room once with sims people and i i think there was 18 people and i want to think that 15 of them were women which i had it blew my mind never seen that before um so i maybe there's a little bit of that as well it's like i see a lot more women uh, uh in the games that are maybe more of the games that they would play or their families or their friends would uh, play as well um so i want to think there's like a little bit of a connection as well there as well. I think diversifying who your players are um, will probably help diversifying your workforce as well. Yeah, definitely. Oh, just as an anecdote though, uh, now representing India, which
2: is also part of Asia, um, uh, the workplace my husband used to work uh, in India, I think he was the only male amongst like fifty-five female engineers. So that is also something to consider, right? That there is. The diversity but it also drives towards industry, definitely. This is more anecdotal.
0: No, that was really common Yeah. because yeah, over over here anyway, in England, um, they're really trying to get women and girls into engineering because there's just not enough. Um, so it's crazy to hear that in India there's actually or you know, almost more women going into the engineering um sector. Um, so so that's really eye opening actually. Yeah, very good. (laughs) Um, So I'll move on to Mahita. You had um, a topic that you wanted to discuss sort of based on um, the idea that you might have been brought in, you know, the false idea that you might have been brought in to fill a diversity need rather than um, actually being good at the role that you're in. So do you want to just sort of describe a little bit about what you want to discuss there yeah
2: so so in my career i have observed that a lot of times a lot of uh diverse candidates they tend to always stop at some point and say hey was i hired because i'm a diverse candidate or if i'm the best candidate for the role it could come from an imposter syndrome it could come for just the destinies or just like insecurities right it, it can come from a lot of places but it's a common question that i have experienced the last 15 years and I just wanted to bring that up to clarify that companies are not doing anybody favors, right? They, they're not going to hire someone for the sake of it as a diversity representation. They're absolutely going to hire the best candidate first. And I think if there is a diverse candidate who's the best candidate first rate, why not? Let's do that. Uh, but I just wanted to be able to say it out loud that it's always best candidate first. Companies are not running NGOs or egalitarian Societies, they're looking for profit, and for to be profitable, they need the best hands on deck. And that's something I really, really want to drill into every single person who's ever applied for a role that they think is beyond them uh, technical or otherwise, or business doesn't matter. That's something that I really, really want to, go to drive home. That's very important to take that home. We are, nobody's doing all the favors here. I don't know, have you guys experienced this in your? Uh, careers like in the interview processes, so or people that you
3: move or your friends who just got a job. It can be also because gaming is still a very immature Yeah. Internet. In my experience at least or what
2: I really stand for is making sure that doesn't happen right. I mean if you're not able to do your job and also there are a lot of people I also want to say this out loud but there are a lot of people in the world who also want to take advantage of your insecurity sometimes and they want to make you believe that you're hired for diversity but when the truth is far away from it and you're really doing a great job, but it's just convenient for them to have you feeling insecure and living in that
3: whirlpool of self-doubt. Leading up to um, being hired, there's obviously the work that recruiters do. Um, And I think there um, is also responsibility not just to say, "Oh, we didn't have enough applicants for this role who are diverse. Well, then, okay, if that's what you want to do, instead of having a quota, you should then have recruiters who are um, seeking out cooperations with universities or institutions, for example, where they can maybe promote uh, the, their, their jobs or um, go to, uh, I don't know, conferences, for example, um, like RaceHopper um, well, in, the, in the US, for example, where you can go and specifically recruit um, that underrepresented talent. So I think... Um, That's probably if if I know that a company is doing more of that, then it gives me a bit more confidence that I wasn't just hired as a quota person. But um, that's what they do. They go out of their way to really um, have a diverse pool of uh, candidates people can choose from. Uh, You know, ironically, I think that's why quotas are so
2: important. I actually am very for the quota system because people tend to hire people like themselves. right? Like why would... uh, a person who not from India, who is, doesn't look like me, who doesn't have my gender, who doesn't identify with me as my gender, why would that person even be thinking that that person and I might have something in common to even talk and work towards? So I think that's the fundamental reasoning behind why quotas sometimes really work because puts people who are doing the recruitment like you mentioned to out of their regular comfort networks and zones and pushes them to do something different to break that barrier. And I think if we didn't have that kind of need, people would not really push for it. Uh, in this for like like a few years ago, a long while ago, uh, I remember I was talking to uh, a tech recruiter and I said, yeah, but I, I really, really want a diverse leader in this role. That's what I was trying to say. And I got like so much flack for it. How can you even say that? You're being so rude you're saying that you will not hire the best candidate you're just going to hire someone who's diverse and this is not how we do it and I got like like there was an escalation and I got a lot of slack for it right but I actually stood my ground because I said if even I am not adamant about hiring someone that is different than this entire team someone who doesn't has the motivation to do it will never even try they'll take the first option up that they have like I want to push because I, I have the space and time to do so so, let's say, but what I, I agree, it's a very sensitive balance. It comes from a lot of experience and empathy and understanding. Like, I'm sure that it happens more often, like Sandra said, uh, where people are just hired and then they're also told they're hired at the candidate and then they just like, it's like a very negative, for lack of a better word, dirty spiral, right? Like, why would you even do that? It's not good for you. It's not good for the company. It's not good for the person. I hope it doesn't happen, or as you go forward, it happens way, 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 way less than it happens
3: today. And I like, I think, one thing that you said about um, people tend to hire people like themselves. Um, that's why I think um, post-interview panel conversations where you are discussing the candidate and the, and the panel is diverse as well. So it's not just like people who look like each other um, discussing the candidate and saying they don't fit in our culture. Uh, But you have a diverse panel uh, who are also part of that discussion group. I think is important because um, there there can be
1: some uh, interesting conversations in those as well, where you can call out uh, bias. I also think people are a little bit selfish when they hire. They want to hire someone, as you said, that is similar to yourself, that you can also vibe with. That's my experience. Like everyone wants to hire someone that fits into your team. Like, uh, and usually that's exactly the same. People as everyone else in the same team. Now oh, in the team. So uh, how do you break that? Like, uh, of course you want to have someone in your team that you can work with and you can be friends outside work. But that doesn't mean you have to be white, a uh, male, and or female. Uh, it can be whoever. Like, uh, but it feels like people are scared or something that they don't feel that. Oh, we're we're from two different cultures. Will we be able to? socialize with each other or yeah it's it's strange <laughs> yeah that reminds me of my first job
3: when i was 16 and i um was back in germany and i was interviewing for um, i was like a job that you take on when you're going to school um and back then we had to have uh, a resume where you're putting your parents names and your religion and your birthday and a picture and everything. And, uh, and thankfully you don't have to do that anymore but i think um once the guy um, because I'm Turkish by birth, and um, my parents are Turkish. Um, and so he was a bit apprehensive at first, but then when he saw my religion, it said Roman Catholic. His face lit up, and then I was kind of, okay, I was kind of part of the inner circle. He could kind of tolerate the other thing, which kind of, mm-hmm. not so sure about that, but hey, you are, when I asked, you are Roman Catholic. Um, and then I got the so I, I want to think it was not just because of my what I put on the resume um, that kind of hit the mark, but uh, it was an interesting experience for sure that kind of marked me, um, age 16. Yeah. So yeah, how... A... Sorry, go on, Mahita. You know, I was just going to make a
2: joke. I said, imagine if my team was all female and all Indian, that would be so much fun.
0: <laughs> 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 In Stockholm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Sorry, sorry, sorry. laughs> But how, how do you make sure then once you've hired somebody, how do you make sure that they don't feel that that's just because they are diverse? How do you make sure that that feeling isn't put on them? I think it kind of goes back maybe to what
3: Sandra was saying as well, that it, it is really clear that um, you hired them for what they can bring to the team uh, the and the impact they can have. And that starts with how you introduce them for example, and uh, the opportunities and the meaningful work and challenges uh, that you give them, and not just like give them piecemeal
1: hey, stuff to do, uh, for example. So, yeah. but also include them in like social events and stuff because my experience is that with people that don't, don't speak Swedish, for example, uh, swe- Swedish people are very good at talking Swedish uh, with uh, with other people, even though uh, there's some that. Doesn't understand uh, so or speak the language. So for me, it's a, I think it's super rude to talk Swedish in a group of people where there's some of them not speaking Swedish. So uh, I think it's so important that we can, of course, speak English so everyone understands, but also like uh, include them in 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 events and meetings and stuff. Uh, uh, treat them as everyone else. Like yeah.
2: My my approach to this is just what the because what I said today, right? like just driving that message home. I'm not doing anybody favors. I need the best person on the team, and you're the best person, independent of uh, what your background is. And it, and I'm also very frank about it that hey, if there are two best people and one of them is a diverse candidate, I'm going to choose the diverse candidate always because you both are equally good, and I want to create a diverse team. And I'm very honest about that too because I think to to take away that emotion of it like distance it to fact that i this is actually a business where you're going to have an impact which is financially implicable that sometimes actually helps with especially the younger generation where there's a bit more lack of uh, experience and grounding where they can fall back to the experience and the networks and mentors and coaches i think that really helps to to rationalize it a bit and and just give that message um and and i think and I also think there's several other ways to make sure that uh, they don't seem like uh, they are a diverse candidate. First of all, please stop saying that. Like Just just keep referring to them as a diverse candidate. First of all, refer to them as a candidate who was successful. Uh, language matters, I think. Uh, secondly, um, respect that this is a person, independent of what their background is, where they come from, how they look, what they look like. I think a lot of that, Conversational respect matters a lot. Take away, because, you know, sometimes in, I have noticed that in, in my experience that in meetings where people use certain words and they uh, assume certain things and I'm like, did you check with this person? Is it acknowledged? Do you know this? And just like categorizing constantly, right? Because we're human beings. We, all re- we are we are social we're social beings. We'll always categorize. We're always analytical, analyzing, is this my person or not? Like, you know, Roman Catholic or not? constantly analyzing right that's our survival instinct so but but to check take that step back have that distance ask questions find answers make it a bit more analytical and keep that distance will really really help especially in the professional environments I think
0: yeah. okay fantastic well thank you for answering that it's it's always interesting to see sort of how it can be managed in the business as well um and then finally I'll move on to you Sandra um you had a few questions that you'd like to bring up but you mentioned um sort of initiatives that you can you know you can use in the in the gaming industry so do you want to delve into that a little bit
1: yeah so my question is what initiatives have you ex- experienced that have been successful in encouraging diversity and clu- inclusion so uh why I'm an- asking this is because My experience is that sometimes there's a initiative within the uh, company, but sometimes even though it's a great idea, we always get stuck somewhere. Like nothing happens. People are good at like talking, but no actions sometimes. So I would like to see if there's any initiatives that you have experienced that actually works or have been successful, like uh, in your yeah previous. uh, companies or yeah
2: in Sweden I have two favorite initiatives and I work with very closely one of them is Girls in Engineering and the other one is the data Shea um, the organization Data Shea that organizes conferences for them um, I met a 20 year old girl once in the Girls in Engineering and, and you know we were building this uh, spaghetti bridge to start engineering concept and uh, she finished and, and she was so proud and she was taking pictures. And then she came to me and she said, Oh, but can I give you a hug? I said, Yeah, sure, that's hug." And we were talking. And she said to me, You know, I never thought of being an engineer because someone, when she was mine, told her that girls are not good at math. Girls are not good at physics. Her teacher was probably is mm-hmm. um, You know, I said, and this is Peter tonight talking about the egalitarian society and equal, everything that you mentioned today. And, and, and um, uh, and this is a Swedish child, or, um, and and, I, and that just broke my heart a little bit, like, like, wow, why would you say that to a nine-year-old child that does not not good at physics or math? And and so that's why I think that that work in the grassroots, where you're already just NBA, and the threshold of teenage and really figuring out life and getting insecurity and getting pulled into this entire complexity that is in the world, uh, I really think that's a very successful initiative. Just sitting down with them, seeing a lot of role models who understand physics, who understand math, who understand things, and who've done this, gives them so much faith and energy, and you get back so much, right? Even you get back so much that it makes you feel like, wow, yes, I did something important today. And the share event was a very cool one too, because I have never met 45 year olds, uh, mums who've come to me and said. Hey, uh, you know, I used to work in the finance industry as an accountant. Now I've decided to do software engineering and I'm doing like this. Can you help me out? What should I learn? Do you have any work recommendations? And that's also something that I think is so cool, right? To create that safe environment that at 45, you are willing to try out something completely new like software engineering. And you find this community so motivating and so safe that you come and you reach out. I think those of them are brilliant, brilliantly done. I, I really like
3: both of them. I would support them blindly any day. Yeah, we have worked with uh, something similar called Girls Make Games uh, before mm-hmm. uh, as well, which I think can yeah, quite well. Um, and then uh, one thing that is always working well are uh, charity streams. <laughs> um, and one of the charity streams um, that also happen quite regularly are with uh, Special Effect uh, UK. Um, which are um, about um, um, accessibility uh, supports of, uh, of gamers. Um, and that is always something where people, are, uh, developers are kind of coming together to, to do something. That it's good for camaraderie because they're socializing, they're kind of doing, um, trying to figure out how to stream and the technology and maybe you're learning something new because I've never had to operate a camera before. Um, and you're doing something good uh, which is rewarding so I think it's fun and, and good experience and then I think um, when we did the first one, uh, we had uh, to do a lot more PR to many people to participate and I think, like you just have to keep at it and do it like every year until people say oh that thing I oh, yeah, I want to participate and then it just like becomes like a part of part of the culture and part of what you do. Um, and I think, Um, employee resource groups have been quite good uh, as well Um, but I think the challenge is always that um, we all have our day jobs Um, and unless you have the business or a manager say you know what one or two hours a week um, we will secure that for you so you can do this kind of stuff and it is part of your job, part of your deliverables Um, so it doesn't just feel like Uh, you need to crunch to get your day job done and still do volunteering. I think Um, having managers um, acknowledge that and say it is okay for you to dedicate 10 or 15% of your time to that kind of stuff and it's part of our business objectives. Um, And maybe at the end of the year, you get a bonus because you have um, done so much work and you have moved so much, so you're rewarding it financially as well. There's some sort of incentive there, both for business leaders to uh, uh, support the employees to do that, but then also for the employee to say, Um, you're not just doing work that, um, um, maybe we we are substituting, um, employees elsewhere who could do this full time. Um, but we are acknowledging and rewarding that you're doing this as part of your day job. So here's like something extra. Um, and I think that can maybe alleviate some of the, um, the fatigue that we see of people who are engaging in a lot of this work, uh, in their office space. Uh, as well um, and then conference attendance I think when people go to to different conferences I'm not, and I'm thinking of Grace Hopper um, like I'm not an engineer I think but just like going there and meeting so many women um, and like I've never been to a conference where I've seen so many women I was completely God-smacked, Um and that was pretty cool and then there's like women in games for example in the UK as well uh, which was um, pretty similar it was really nice to meet women from other studios and other countries or so maybe do similar things and then you do networking and then you keep in touch and um, and that is super, super rewarding. And then, you know, you can invite them to your studio and they can maybe do, do a talk and it's just like
1: nice to build that uh, little community as well. Yeah, I think also if you've heard about the Donna Day, which is uh, like an event in Skövde in Sweden where uh, people from the industry uh, have talks and meeting other students uh Only uh, women and uh, or uh, people that identify as a woman, so um, and non-binary and trans people as well. So, uh, which is great because you can go there, talking to students and uh, recruit them as well, or trying to recruit them, (laughs) (laughs) uh, because there's a lot of great people there, uh, and it's it's great meeting them, like talking to them about how uh, I actually experienced the gaming industry in the beginning and how I actually um, how my um, what do you say, um, sorry, I haven't drank coffee in a while uh, but my journey in the gaming industry, like uh, it's very interesting to talk about that together with them and share experiences and yeah I thought of something else, mentorship programs, uh, if you have something like that in your own company
3: um, because one thing I found very interesting uh, so you can both in a mentorship program, be a mentor and a mentee, um, and I was mentoring an engineer who wanted to learn more about um, how to be an inclusive person, an inclusive leader, how to think about those things, how to be. A, um, and I thought that was, I thought it was amazing that he really um, made an effort to say, like, I'm going to find a mentor because I want to be better at this stuff. Um, and that was pretty really cool. And uh, and I find those interactions pretty uh, rewarding as well.
0: Amazing. Well, I think that's a a lovely um, way to sort of round off the podcast today. Um, So before we end the podcast, I'd like to say thanks so much to all our guests for sharing their thoughts. They've been Tule, Mahita and Sandra. Um, If you wish to participate in a future podcast or like discuss how we can help you find the perfect next addition to your team, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you again to all our guests and thank you for listening. We hope you can join us next time.